0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: What's up, guys? Our third and final stop in the NFC North, or at least as far as our NFC North brethren are concerned, going with last year's division champ, the Minnesota Vikings. And our good friend Chris Gates from SB Nations Daily Norseman will be returning. Uh, to preview them with us as always. And uh, you know, again, I want to thank you guys uh, for listening to this show. It's, it's actually a series that gets mixed reviews from you guys. Some of you really love uh, these shows and, and you know, the guys that I bring on or, or ladies in this case, we had one or two this year and, um, uh, and the information learning about this year's upcoming opponents. And some of you are like, well, it's 60 minutes on the chiefs. I don't care. So, I don't know. It's coming to an end. So you know, starting with next week's show on Tuesday when we have Lauren back from Locked On Bears to preview the Bears. They are always our our last and final show of the opponent preview series. This is episode number fourteen of fifteen, and um, you know we'll uh, we'll close the book on our on our division opponents uh, with this episode, and then finish the entire series on Tuesday with Lauren. Uh, talking about our beloved Chicago Bears so uh, uh, it's always the you know I, I love this time of year as far as you know being able to do these shows learning about our upcoming opponents not only previewing the teams we play but previewing the guests that will be joining us throughout the season uh, to talk about these upcoming uh, ball games so it's 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 always, always that series that I enjoy uh, you know producing each and every year so I want to thank you guys for coming along those that did I appreciate you coming along uh, on this journey uh, with me. So let's go ahead and and dive right into it. This is the third and final NFC North preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Our last stop on our trip through our NFC North brethren takes us to Minnesota, where the defending NFC North champion, vikings hail from and if we're talking vikings where there's only one person in the world we talk to and that is our good friend chris gates from the daily norseman chris welcome back man
0: happy to be back larry happy to be back with you and the uh, the rest of the bears talk underground folks and uh yeah I, you said you got questions about the vikings well quite frankly so do i so we'll see what uh what happens here over the course of the uh of the interview here.
1: right so well uh, real quick let's let's go through 2022 because i'm sure it was just a even though you guys came out on the on the on the on the right side of just about every one score game that you played in the season itself must have been a giant stress ball because of all these one score games it's like aside from beating Green Bay 23 to 7 to start off the week every victory after that was a one score game 28-24 over the Lions which was a comeback victory uh, 28-25 yep. over the Saints in the U.K. Uh, the Bears uh, came back late to try to make it a one-score game, 29-22. 24-16 over the Dolphins. 34-26 over the Cardinals. 20-17 over the Commanders. That crazy win over in Buffalo that ended in overtime, 33-10. 33-26 over the Patriots, even though that was one where you guys got out ahead and they you know, narrowed it down kind of thing. 27-22 over the Jets that bananas Colts game that I didn't get to see because the rehab center I was in at the time didn't have NFL <laughs> network. Uh, but, you know, you guys were down something like 30 to nothing and came back and won that one. And then, you know, the, the, the win 27-24 over the Giants, the only game that wasn't a one-score win was the win against the Bears week 18 where it was, you know, all the guys that we had pulled off the street to fill off the roster uh, getting killed by you guys at the end of the year.
0: Man, was was your rehab center in Guantanamo or something i mean for kinda who who doesn't have nfl network today I yeah, mean, don't on, don't man, don't get me
1: started man i missed out on some fun football games that night uh and everything yeah but uh, they had they had espn <laughs> it was you know one of those like where they just didn't want to pay the extra 5 bucks a month for the nfl network because they just didn't you know. have it in that rehab center
0: no, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun this past season, all the one-score games. And, you know, it's even more fun when you manage to come out on the right side of all those one-score games. And, you know, it's obviously not sustainable. I mean, right. I don't expect the Vikings to go 11-0 and in one-score games again this coming season or anything like that. But, you know, it, it was fun to watch. I mean, you know, you talked about the Buffalo game. There was the Colts game. Uh, a lot of other games, of course, when they – when they lost, they got absolutely obliterated right. by uh, by Philadelphia and the Packers yeah. and the uh, Dallas, and yeah, yeah that uh, that was kind of not as much fun. But you know, overall, it was a it was a pretty enjoyable season. Like I like I said, I wouldn't expect anything like that to happen again. But you know, for for this last season, it was fun to watch.
1: Yeah, and then the ultimate irony was that um, you you make it to the playoffs, you win the division, you go to the wild card round and lose a one-score game to the Giants Uh, Mm -hmm. and that's how the season gets finished out It's like you go 11 and 0 in the regular season in one score games and then you get into a one-score game in the wild card round and and you fall flat which unfortunately fed into a narrative that a lot of the you know for for lack of a better term haters were, were putting on the the Vikings was that you know this is the like the worst thirteen and four team in the history of football. You guys make it to the playoffs. You get into a rematch of the team you beat earlier in the season and lose a one score game.
0: No, and and I can understand where you know that perspective comes from. I mean, they over the course of the season, the Vikings did get outscored. It was only by three points, but they did get outscored. And yeah, you know, that's because you know, as we mentioned, the the losses were super ugly for the most part. And yeah, you know, yeah, I mean. I can see where, you know, teams would say that the Vikings were frauds or whatever. But yeah, it it can't be that bad when you finish like four or five games clear of the the rest of the division yeah. and whatnot. So, you know, like I said, the the season didn't end the way we would have wanted it to. I mean, it it never does. We're we're Vikings fans, so right. Um, but yeah, it it was it was entertaining for the most part. But yeah, we we always wish stuff like this would have ended differently and. Nobody knows what would have happened if we would have advanced and played San Francisco in the, the divisional round. I mean, we probably would have gotten thumped. But, you know, it would have been one more game. But, you know, for, for a season with a new head coach and, you know, uh, kind of trying to toe the line between, uh, between competing and rebuilding, you know, it, it, was, it was pretty fun. I enjoyed it. Well, I just thought that that
1: narrative was unfair. You know, I was like, they're winning the games. What else do you want? you know yeah. like, I I just didn't think it was fair that's you know like oh look at this this is the worst you know 11 and 2 team or the worst 12 and 3 team or you know whatever the whatever you guys were at the time and I was and and I think that because of the losses that you had 24 to 7 to the Eagles 40 to 3 to the Cowboys and then at the end of the season that 41 17 loss to the to the Packers I was like yeah I get it looks bad but they you know they came back and beat buffalo in buffalo they had that that crazy victory over over the over the colts and everything to come back and win uh that one is uh, and it's not like you guys were um beating the bad teams and losing to the good ones i mean you know the cowboys and the eagles those are playoff teams uh and everything but it's just you know you beat buffalo you beat uh you know you came back and you won those 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 games and and, and everything and just i just didn't think it was it was fair because it just, you know, when you guys lost that game to the Giants, a lot of people kind of pounced on the, the I told you so train, uh you know, when you came up short against the against them.
0: No, I'm mean, you know, that was that was gonna happen regardless of when the Vikings lost or who they lost to and anything short of winning the Super Bowl would have been, yeah, they were they were frauds all along. They they weren't as good as their record and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, thirteen wins is thirteen wins. It doesn't matter how you get there, it doesn't matter, you know if you win every game by forty points or every game by three points, I mean, it's not the NCAA where you're trying to impress the uh, the guys that vote the vote in the uh, the polls every week or anything like that. But you know, you, when you win thirteen games, you would like a little more than a, a wild card playoff loss. And yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to see if uh, Kevin O'Connell and Adolfo Mensa can continue kind of skirting that line between. You know whether or not to blow the whole thing up and start from scratch, or you know see if you can uh, run it back a little bit with the same group.
1: Yeah. Um. So, Brian Flores comes in as as defensive coordinator. Um. Who
0: did we let go in his stead? Ed Donatel. Ah, right, Ed Donatel, who was awful at pretty much everything. Okay. It was. It was. Oh, Jesus, good. We. The, you're familiar with Brett Coleman's work, I'm yes. sure. Yes. Oh yeah. On the, he he did an entire 20 minute video of why the Vikings defense was so terrible, and you sat there and you watched the video and you're like, he has hit every single nail on the head, and it all goes back to <laughs> Ed Donatel had his scheme, and you know he he didn't have the players to run it. Uh, the players that were running it were running it poorly, and you know you get you get to the point. Because the Vikings, I believe, were thirty-first in total defense, which is, you know, not great mm-hmm. or anything like that. But uh, you know, you're you're sitting there watching the defense, and it's like that wild card game against the Giants. The Giants just went up and down the field over and over, no resistance or whatever, and you're watching the same shell defense on like every step, and you're like, dude, try almost anything else because what you're doing now is, is not working. And it hasn't worked for eighteen weeks. And dear God, just do anything else. but he, he never did. And that's why uh, he got fired. And yeah, Brian Flores is uh, you know the Vikings defense might not have uh, a ton of talent at this point, but uh, Flores, I think, is at least going to make him interesting.
1: Yeah, because it was, I mean, because you know that's that speaks a lot to the the whole the one score game narrative thing it also kind of speaks to i guess maybe why some people were so eager to um you know to to pounce on on the vikings and you know were almost like angry that they were coming away with the wins uh and everything cuz i'm going through and i was you know trying to dial up the what you know like per game what what the defense was uh giving up uh and everything but you know in in your four losses you gave up 24, 40, 34, and 41 points, and then you gave up 31 in the wild card game to the Giants. So it's not like the offense was really being bottled up because you guys had to be averaging over 20-something points uh, a game because I can only – like the, the game against the Eagles, the loss to the Cowboys, and the loss to the Packers were the only times you scored less than 20 points mm-hmm. in a football game so only three yeah. times out of 18 including the wild card game you scored less than 20 points which should be enough to win most teams most football games
0: you would think so i mean and for the most part that's what happened you know whether it was you know the the vikings would get out to a lead and hold on or they would uh, come back and you know come yeah finish uh finish strong after uh three quarters of not looking great uh now according to Pro Football Reference the Vikings were uh, eighth in the National Football League in scoring they were averaging uh, 24.9 a game last year and they were giving up 25.1 which is uh, which is not uh, yeah not ideal but you know if if you're in the top quarter in the National Football League in uh in scoring you know you should win more often than you lose i mean it's not necessarily gonna equate to 13 and 4 right. every year but you know that that's just the way the uh, the bounces happened for this team.
1: So we move on to the uh off season. And the Vikings seem to be busier in uh either re-signing people or letting people go this year than bringing people in cuz I cuz the the only additions that I was able to find free agent wise, you bring in Josh Oliver the tight end from Baltimore, <laughs> Byron Murphy the corner from Arizona. Mike Marcus Davenport, the former first-round pick out of New Orleans, and then Dean Lauer, defensive end from Green Bay. You resign Garrett Bradbury, Alex Alexander Man- Madison, um, Nick Mullins, Oli Uda, Greg Joseph, and Jonathan Bullard, former Bear third-round pick. Um, but it's mm-hmm. like the the names. If you're looking for names, they were all in the bye-bye list: Alvin Tomlinson, Adam Thielen, Patrick Peterson, Eric Kendricks, Irv Smith, and then, of course, most famously in the last few weeks. Dalvin Cook uh, let go uh, as well. So it's like the subtractions were where the big names came from. Um, the additions were, were were more on the low-key side.
0: No, they totally were. I mean, there, there were a lot of names that uh, Vikings fans have uh, really gotten to know over the years. I mean, everyone knows the Adam Thielen story because God knows they tell it every single time the Vikings are on national television, which is fine. It's an awesome story. It's great to hear. But, yeah. you know, we, we all know it, but he, he had pretty clearly uh, slowed down over the course of this past season, whether it was because of uh, injury or just getting older or whatever it was. And, you know, Kendricks was kind of in the same boat. I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago when he was uh, arguably the top off-ball uh, linebacker in the NFL. And, yeah. you know, he had quite clearly lost a few steps over the uh, the past couple seasons. And, you know, with, with, the, with the salaries that guys like him and Thielen were making, it was uh, – Time for him to go. I think the one really significant loss is going to be Tomlinson because the, the Vikings defense didn't have a lot of bright spots last season, but uh, Tomlinson was one of those because he was uh, not only providing uh, solid support against the run, but you know he was even getting after the passer a little bit. And he, he, of all the guys that uh, the Vikings let go, that I would have liked to uh, see them keep around. I think Tomlinson is definitely going to be the biggest loss.
1: And what about Dal- Dalvin Cook? Because that was more of a uh, salary cap thing, wasn't it? Because it, it certainly wasn't a production issue. The guys had over 1,000 yards each of the last four seasons.
0: It was, but, you know, Cook has kind of gotten, I mean, the the contract that Cook had courtesy of the the Rick Spielman Mike Zimmer regime was just such an unwieldy contract for a running back as is evidenced by the fact that you know everyone knew the, the Vikings were going to get rid of Cook and you know somebody could have traded to uh acquire him and whatnot but he was uh, completely unwilling to or reportedly completely unwilling to uh Restructure his contract to facilitate A deal and if he wasn't going to restructure His contract nobody was going to trade For him and you know running backs In the National Football League for the most part just Don't make 14 million dollars anymore right. So it, uh, it it Gave the Vikings the ability to uh, to save some cap space uh, They're going to wind up going to more of a uh, Committee type approach I think That's what a lot of the NFL Teams uh, are going to Be doing here before too much longer once Everyone realizes that giving running backs large second contracts is kind of insane in today's NFL Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah I I think the uh, committee approach is what we're going to see in Minnesota Uh, for right now yeah Madison's going to lead the committee but we'll see uh, how the rest of it shakes out over the course of the season but yeah Cook had some really uh, special plays this last year but he had a lot of plays where he was kind of getting bottled up and uh, he doesn't uh, doesn't break contact quite as well as he used to, but you know once he gets in the open field, he's still pretty spectacular. It's just a matter of uh, him getting there first. So he he's gonna he's probably gonna have another productive season or two for someone else. But it, it wasn't realistic to expect the Vikings to keep him around at uh, at that cap figure. I don't think.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's unfortunate what's what's going on with uh, with running backs because I don't think that they've that they've lost importance in the offense or or anything like that. But it's certainly been a position that's been devalued as in what a front office is willing to pay for one uh, these days. And it doesn't help that year after year after year, we're finding, you know, solid running backs and, and long-term starters on day three of the draft. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I mean, hell, hell the bears have been guilty of it for the past decade. David Montgomery. Well, he actually, he was a day two pick, but, uh, you know, Tariq Cohen, Jordan Howard, uh, Khalil Herbert, and hopefully if all things go well, because people are over the moon, over Rashawn Johnson that we picked in the fourth round this year. Also uh, a day three pick. So, you know, it's like as much as we would have loved to hang on to uh, David Montgomery and bring him back, not only for what he does in the field, but for that stabilizing force that he had become uh, in the locker room. You know, even though six million doesn't sound like a lot, and it certainly wasn't a lot for the Bears who had the salary cap space. I guess it was more than than Ryan Poles and company were willing to pay. Not to mention they keep finding Khalil Herberts and Tariq Cohens and Rashawn Johnsons on day three of the draft, where these guys are not even making a million dollars a season.
0: Yeah, I mean that's exactly what it is. I mean in today's NFL, you gotta you know be smart with your salary cap and you know find uh, room and space any way you can and you know, one way to do that is you keep drafting running backs in the fifth or sixth or seventh round and keep them on the roster for a few years and grind them into dust. And, you know, (laughs) when, uh, when you get, keep keep drafting dudes in the fifth and sixth and seventh round, and, you know, like you said, paying them less than a million dollars a year and just, just beating the heck out of them until they, uh, until their contracts are done and they move on and just replace them with the next fifth or sixth round guy. And, you know, that I, I don't know if it's the way that uh, college offenses are run that are, you know, that is translated to the NFL and be in the same way. But it's it's been it's something to see how uh, how running backs have been devalued over the years, like you said. But that, that's just the way things go now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's um, unfortunate, especially for for a guy like me, he grew up worshiping Walter Payton and grew up in a run first NFL which didn't really start. It started to kind of change in the in the mid '90s, but it wasn't really until like the early 2000s that it became like 70 percent pass, 30 percent run, where the running game wasn't as important. And you started to see that uh, in the draft, where it's like all throughout the '90s, you see three, four, five, six running backs going in the first round, and now you just don't see that uh, anymore. No. You know, you don't see too many um McCaffrey's or Fournette's or uh you know Zeke Elliott's getting taken in the top five or the top ten it just does not happen as often or even you know this year with Bijan uh going number eight uh this year that's the anomaly that's the that's the exception not the rule anymore
0: no I mean like like you said you used to see you know multiple running backs going in the first round I think I think this year we had two because Detroit took a running back right after uh Bijan Robinson was drafted. So, but yeah, two two running backs in the first round, and how many receivers? Like five, six, seven every year, because that's just where the focus is now. You need to have uh, multiple top-notch wide receivers, and you know if, if you're going to go that route, something's going to suffer. And more often than not, it's probably going to be the running back position, because like I said, that's where you can save some money, save yourself some uh, some. Uh, contract and salary difficulties down the road and yeah that I don't see that trend uh, changing anytime soon
1: yeah 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 it's unfortunate but it is today's uh today's game you know all the way across the board so speaking of which we we go to the uh we go to the draft uh we're moving pretty quickly here and you guys uh stand firm at 23 there were all kinds of rumors about maybe trading up or or something like that and maybe going after Uh, a quarterback or, you know, to, to get maybe, well, especially when you guys were picking Will Levis was right there and Mm -hmm. you know, as, as good a season as Kirk cousins have, he's getting, he's getting older and, and, and things like that. What what were your thoughts? Were you, were you happy that you went with Jordan Addison? Were you, were you thinking about, you know, we should take Levis, especially since you didn't have a second round pick, uh, you know, to maybe pick him up later on or anything like that. What were your thoughts about your first round choice?
0: I mean, I think Levis was definitely a consideration. I mean, he, there was the talk where he was going to go like number two overall for like five minutes, and right. you know that that quickly went away, and you know he started dropping down the board and started uh, looking more and more like he was going to be available. And uh, my first plan of attack or my first hope for the Vikings was that they would find a way to uh, to trade down because, like you said, they didn't have that second round pick, and you know try to try to acquire some more draft capital. And I guess they kind of worked the phones until the very last minute and couldn't get anything to uh, materialize. But no, I, I like the Addison selection a lot because, you know, he, he's the kind of guy that is going to succeed uh, in a uh, Kevin O'Connell slash Sean McVay offense. I think he's a, he was uh, tabbed by a lot of folks to be the, uh, the best route runner in this year's draft, which is uh something that's very important when you're uh, trying to plug a guy into a role like a Cooper Cup or somebody like that that's known for their route running as well. Um, but, yeah, I liked the uh, the Addison pick just because, you know, with the feeling being gone and, you know, the Vikings are going to have, obviously, Justin Jefferson and a full season of TJ Hawkinson this year. So he's going to have the ability to step in and contribute right away. And, you know, even with as much as K.J. Osborne has developed over the last couple of years, uh, I think Jordan Addison should probably be a wide receiver, too, on this team by the time uh, this team finishes training camp, barring any sort of injuries or anything like that.
1: Yeah, and then you just reminded me where your second pick, second round pick went. It was in the <coughs> T.J. Hawkinson uh, trade. So then yep. your your next selection is in the third round where Makai Blackman, a, another USC kid from, a quarterback this time, uh, joins the team. Uh, to uh, to come in and possibly uh, try and replace Patrick Peterson.
0: I mean, he's going to try. I mean, uh, he he's the he's sort of the man coverage aggressive type corner that uh, Brian Flores is going to want in his defense. And you know, uh, I'm not sure. I'm trying to remember where he was. Uh, where he was graded going into the draft. I'm not sure if he was graded quite that high. I think a lot of folks uh, might have thought there was a bit of a reach, but. You know, with with the way the cornerback position went for the Vikings last year, with all the injuries and whatnot, uh, they they needed somebody back there. And uh, Blackman uh, Blackman, I think, is going to end up being pretty solid. I mean, he should get uh, opportunities to contribute early and often. And we'll see if he just gets thrown into the fire or what's going to happen with him.
1: And then you double down on corner with uh, Jay Ward from LSU in the fourth round, and then in the your the first pick in the fifth round, you had. Uh... Is it Jaqueline, Roy? Because I don't. I, that,
0: I believe it's pronounced Jaqueline. Okay. Because yeah, the I'm only other with, choice I mean.
1: would be Jacqueline. I don't think that's right. Uh, the way yeah. that it's spelled. Anyway, well, I mean
0: we, we still. I mean we had people calling uh, Daniel Hunter, uh, Danielle Hunter right. Danielle for the uh, the first <laughs> uh, little while. So I mean you never know. I mean well know, I mean we actually we're, did we're have a uh,
1: the Bears had Danielle Manning. Uh, on the yeah. team, that was how you pronounced uh, his name. Uh, even though, yeah. funnily enough, you look at the way that it was spelled, it looks like Daniil. Daniel. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it, it's got an e a l, so you you know you think it's Daniil, but it's you know it's Daniel, but or D- Danielle or whatever. It's like okay, but um, defensive tackle nonetheless out of LSU. And then I was noticing something. You went USC, USC, LSU, LSU other fifth round pick is jaron hall the quarterback out of byu but in the seventh round dwayne mcbride running back uab what happened you couldn't find a running back from byu or something to go with in the seventh round what happened there
0: i i'm almost positive that there was a running back from byu that went uh, somewhere in between uh jaron hall and uh, dwayne mcbride but i'd have to i have to go back and look at the draft order but you know this this is something that uh we saw rick spielman do a couple times he drafted teammates and whatnot and you know that that must have just been the way the board fell for yeah. the uh for the vikings on those picks i mean it's it's kind of weird and kind of funny when it happens but you know it does happen and hopefully uh all of those guys will end up being productive in some way shape or form but uh yeah it, it was a it was a not quite as exciting a draft as what we've been used to with the uh, You know, Rick Spielman somehow acquiring fifteen draft picks in one draft, or something like that. Yeah, it was a. There was only six guys drafted this year by the Vikings. It was a little bit on the dull side, but uh, you know that that's what happened. You know, they like you said, they used their uh, second round pick to uh, acquire T.J. Hawkinson, which is a pretty darn good use of a second round pick from everything we saw in the season. So, yeah, it's uh, we'll see what the uh, what the rookie's got an opportunity to do here. Um, have they or are
1: they going to extend Hawkinson? Because I think that was one of the reasons he had to leave Detroit.
0: I believe they're going to uh, try to extend Hawkinson. Obviously, the uh, the Justin Jefferson extension is going to be uh, priority, priority one. number one. Yeah. But uh, but after that, I I would have a hard time believing that they would give up that kind of uh, that kind of capital for Hawkinson and then see the way he fit into the offense and not uh, do something to extend him here. It's just going to be a matter of how they. Uh, structure all that so yeah I, I think there's a hopkinson extension coming as well uh i mean who knows they might have to uh to use the franchise tag or something like that to uh to eventually make it work out but yeah we'll uh we'll see how that goes i do think it's coming eventually though
1: with a um with a smaller draft class did you guys load up on ufdas this year or udfas
0: uh, yeah they, uh, they got a few. Uh, few recognizable names. They got uh, Ivan Pace Jr., uh, the linebacker out of Cincinnati that a lot of folks are excited about. Uh, Andre Carter, the edge from uh, West Point, uh, who's a, who's interesting. He's a he's a bigger guy, but he needs to uh, spend about six months in the weight room before he uh, before he's really officially uh, you know NFL ready. I think I mean, he kind of got uh, pushed around to some of the uh, the postseason. Uh, practices like the senior bowl and that sort of thing. But uh yeah they they signed a significant number of UDFAs, but those two guys I think are the ones that are uh, at the top of everyone's list in terms of excitement goes.
1: So let's move on to the schedule and this is always our favorite point of conversation, uh Chris, but uh the NFL <laughs> uh didn't cooperate with us uh this year. And let me tell you something, man. They only, not only did they not give us the Bears Vikings finale that we anticipate every single year, <laughs> yep. they screwed me over personally this year. Okay. And Damn. let me tell you how. See, our first matchup <laughs> is week six in Chicago. Okay. Fine. That's actually kind of normal <coughs> that, we, that we meet early on yep. in Chicago. Our second matchup, obviously in Minnesota, is um, Monday is a Monday, our one and only Monday night. Actually, we have two. No, you have two. We only have one. Yep. It's against you guys in Minnesota. And it just so happens to be the exact same night that I'm going to see KISS play their last show in Chicago. <laughs> So I will not be able to watch this game because I'll be, you know, blubbering over seeing KISS one last time before they finally hang it up for good. And uh, I was none too happy to see that that's how it all worked out when – because the tickets and everything were purchased before the schedule came out. So we bought those in March. It was kind of like a birthday present from my my dad and my stepmom that my dad and I are going to see this show. November twenty seventh. So like eight months, eight and a half months before, we've got tickets and everything. Two months later, the schedule comes out, and it's just like, please tell me no. This is no. Come on, really? The the one time we play on Monday night, that's the Monday night game that we play, and it's against the freaking Vikings for for Pete's sake. Six weeks too early on the schedule. I couldn't believe it.
0: No, and I mean that. That's a, that's all the closer they're getting to uh to the cities too. Unfortunately, I mean other than that they have a uh, they have a concert October 25th in St. Louis. But other than that, you know the the uh, the Rosemont uh you know I, I was gonna date myself there and call it the Rosemont Horizon, but that's, I know it's hey, not man, the Rosemont Horizon anymore. I, I mean, this, wow, how old am I? I'm like watching <laughs> Joey Meyer coaching. DePaul, DePaul basketball yes. at, the, oh my God. at the Rosemont Horizon. Yeah. Because they, they were on WGN all the time when I was the growing time. up at DePaul yeah. basketball. But, yeah, that, that's all the closer they're gay. So, obviously, I, I will say you do have your priorities in order for this one because, <laughs> you know, the, the the Bears-Vikings on Monday Night Football is, is a Monday Night Football game. Seeing Kiss in concert for the last time, dude, that that that's a that's an easy choice yeah, i mean I, I know it's a it's a pain in the ass and it you're is. not gonna get to see the game until you know tuesday or wednesday morning depending on when you recover from the concert but <laughs> you know it, it's going to be that, that that's where your priority needs to be because yeah. it it, I would make the same decision. I would. Yes. I would definitely go see. Yeah, this. it was. It was.
1: It wasn't so much that it was you know like a difficult choice as to which of those two things I'm <laughs> doing that night. It's more like, man, this sucks. I'm going to miss the game because I'm going. To, it wasn't. There was never a consideration here. It was like, yeah. no, I'm going to the show. It just sucks that I'm going to miss the game uh, to go and and see them. And you know what, man, you're you're in the right on this one because I still call it the Rosemont Horizon myself. Okay. <laughs> Um, my very first wrestling event that I went to was at the Rosemont, and it was historic, man. It was a house show, so it wasn't televised, but the main event was Hulk Hogan defending the title against the Macho Man, Randy Savage. I mean, it does not get much better than that. So, Oh, God, no. Yeah. That, would, that would be sweet. Yes, that was my very first res- live wrestling event. That was the main event, was Hogan and Savage for the title uh, at a house show. and And where I found very early on, that uh, Chicago does not toe the line as far as the allegiances that they try to sell you on TV because it was a very pro-macho man crowd in Chicago that night. I was, as an, what, eight, nine-year-old kid at the time, I was stunned the macho man was being cheered uh, when he came out that (laughs) night. I could not believe it. But, I mean, I love the macho man too, but he's wrestling Hogan. Hogan was my hero. It's like, there's no way I'm not cheering for the Hulkster (laughs) when he comes out. So, but, uh, yeah, so that was a... That was a hell of a thing, seeing those two guys uh, up close and personal like that at the Rosemont Horizon, not the stinking All State Arena, the Rosemont Horizon. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But
0: we're so old, dude. Indeed. It's,
1: it's sad. But you know what? It happens. You know, like I just uh-huh. can't, uh, I can't call it anything but the Rosemont. It would feel it feel wrong. But uh, anyway, yeah. so let's look at the schedule as a whole, as a set of bitching about the Monday night game. Uh, you start at home against Tampa Bay, the Tom Bradyless Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that's where we'll learn. Will it be Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield that uh, will be uh, taking the field against you guys? Quick turnaround. Week two Thursday night game against the defending NFC champ uh, Eagles. So you get to play in week two only four days sooner uh, this time than you did uh, last year. Also at Philadelphia. Home for the Chargers, then at Carolina. So you're getting... Let's see. You're getting Trask slash Mayfield, uh, Jalen Hurts, Khalil or Khalil, <laughs> Justin. Or wouldn't that be something? If Khalil Herbert <laughs> was the quarterback of the Chargers, Justin Herbert and Bryce Young in the first four games of the season. There.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll uh, we'll see how that all goes. I mean, obviously, Hurts is an elite quarterback, and you know, uh, Justin Herbert is pretty solid. I mean, this is going to be the Chargers' first. Uh, official trip to U.S. Bank Stadium. I mean, they played a preseason game there the year that it opened, but this is their first official uh, visit to the stadium. Uh, you know, getting the uh, the first uh, Buccaneers game of the uh, post-Tom Brady era is going to be interesting. I'd be shocked if it wasn't Baker Mayfield at quarterback, quite frankly. But, uh, yeah, they're they're going to have a lot of issues to deal with. Uh, new quarterback, new uh, – we really have a new offensive coordinator. I think they fired Byron Leftwich after uh, – Last season was a bit of a uh, a rough go for him, but yeah. you know uh, Bryce Young is probably still going to be getting acclimated. So uh, you know that that trip to Philly is going to be a little rough, but uh, that first part of the schedule is manageable, I think.
1: Yeah, I think the roughest part would be Philly, and not only is it Philly in Philly, but it's on short on a short rest. You got to play them. Yep. You play Sunday against Tampa, then Thursday in, in Philly. So not only are you yep. you know playing the defending NFC champs, you're playing on short short rest on you know in Philadelphia at the same time it's uh it's a tough uh it's a tough pull you guys got on that one Yep Week 5 you're home for the Chiefs uh at Chicago Week 6 Soldier Field then home for Monday Night against the 49ers then your first matchup with the Aaron Rodgersless Green Bay Packers in Lambeau. so Yeah it's going to be a different rivalry going forward I think cuz you are the one team in the division that would that would we're going halvesies just about every year uh, with Green Bay when Rogers was at the helm, and uh, you know m- m- you know possibly could it be a, div- uh, a rival that you guys start to dominate now that Rodgers is gone?
0: I mean, it's it's possible, I guess. I mean, you know, Rodgers would always seem to uh to come up and bite us at least once a year, like you said. But you know, we uh, we held our own against Green Bay for the most part, and you know, I, I don't. Think Jordan Love is going to be able to come in and replicate uh, what Rodgers was doing over the past few years, but uh, you know, stranger things have happened, I guess. But uh, yeah, this is this is going to be uh, the first time the Vikings see uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the last time they played Kansas City down in Kansas City, he was uh, injured and didn't play. So mm-hmm. yeah, and that this will make Kansas City, I believe, the uh, the last AFC team to uh, officially visit us bank stadiums. So, but yeah, we got the, got the chiefs game, which is obviously going to be rough. I mean, they're the world champions and whatnot. And then at Chicago, and as we say, every time we do one of these shows, weird things happen at soldier field. So uh, we'll have to see what goes on there. And the Niners are obviously great as long as they have a, uh, a quarterback that's actually capable of throwing a forward pass. And uh, you know, it's, that's a, that's going to be a, a little more difficult portion to schedule than the first quarter, I yeah. think, if I had to uh, to rank them in order here.
1: Because, you know, around that time, week seven or so, you definitely think Brock Purdy should be healthy and ready to go. And according to Shanahan, when Purdy's healthy, he's the guy kind of thing. Yep. So that, you know, very well could be if he doesn't come back sooner because I <laughs> hear he's looking good so far. But, um, you know, you'd think that maybe that could be possibly one of those first games that he plays in, uh, you know, once he's 100% from that uh, elbow injury he suffered in the NFC title game. So, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, it's an interesting stretch there. Uh, Kansas City and then the weirdness of Soldier Field and playing the, the Bears for the first time, 49ers at, uh, you know, you, at least you get him at home on the Monday nighter and then yeah. at Green Bay uh, for the Jordan Love-led Packers for the first time. Then we go week nine at Atlanta home for the Saints, Sunday night in Denver for week number 11, and then Monday night (laughs) against the Bears on KISS concert night. So uh, I will not be watching live, uh, you know, and I will probably do my best not to, you know, have alerts on on my phone so I can concentrate on the show. But, uh, you know, that will be happening uh, while we're there and um you know, but that's also the last game for you guys before your bye in week number thirteen.
0: Yeah, which is nice. I mean I I like the later bye week just mm. because you know it gives you kind of an opportunity to regroup before the stretch run. But you know, on paper that this should be and I say should be because we don't really know from one year to the next because right. uh, you know the NFL just changes that much. But on paper this looks like the easiest stretch. Uh, the Vikings schedule this uh, this stretch of four games. I mean, we we all know the NFC South was just atrocious last year from yes. top to bottom, and we're going to have to see uh, how those teams adjust. But you know, they uh, yeah, the Falcons are uh, sort of rebuilding. The Saints are kind of in rebuild mode. Uh, you know, then again, they did bring in Derek Carr to be their quarterback, so we'll see how that goes uh, at Denver. Uh, against a uh, noted Vikings enemy and noted douchebag uh, Sean Payton uh, for his first time in uh, Denver, and uh, yeah, then uh, then another game against the Bears. So you know, on paper, that that looks like a relatively easy stretch. But yeah. I mean, for all we know, the Vikings could go zero and four during those games just because you know just the uh, the the weirdness of the NFL. But uh, hopefully, that'll give the Vikings a uh, a little bit of momentum into their bye week, and you know, give them a little bit of a chance to get healthy before the uh, the last five games yeah and
1: looking at it through the 2022 lens which is what you're talking about um yeah definitely those four games you know you have atlanta new orleans denver three subpar teams from last year and then the bears who were the subparest team in the nfl uh (laughs) record wise but in the bears in the bears vikings rivalry Minnesota wins in Minnesota, Chicago wins in Chicago. That game is taking place in Minnesota. So, yeah, that looks like an easy four-game four, four game stretch uh, for you guys. But, you know, it's also the third quarter of the, of the season when teams should have things figured out at this point. And, you know, Atlanta has those three studs they've drafted in the first round the last three years with Robinson this year, London last year, and then Kyle Pitts the year before. Will Desmond Ritter be the answer at quarterback since they kind of just resting their laurels on a third-round pick as opposed to, you know, bringing somebody in, God forbid, drafting Justin Fields instead of Pitts in 2021? Mm -hmm. Or, uh, you know, they were rumored to be in the big Deshaun Watson sweepstakes last year, and there were rumors that this would have been a destination for Lamar Jackson if they were interested or if Baltimore was interested in talking about a trade. Atlanta's been in the conversation, but they haven't pulled the trigger on either of those things. Instead, they're just going with Desmond Ritter, and then, as you mentioned, the Saints with, with Derek Carr. You know, could he be the stabilizing force that their <laughs> offense needs? Because they've been bouncing around with quarterbacks since Breeze left. Is it Winston? Is it you know Andy Dalton? Is it you know um, the utility man whose name I keep forgetting? Taysom Hill. Thank you, Taysom Hill. I don't know why I keep forgetting that guy's name. He's he just anyway, you know. Is it going to be them? Is you know it's whatever, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And then of course, you know, the Broncos and Wilson. You know, last year what a disaster Nathan Hackett was for them, or Nathaniel mm-hmm. Hackett was for them, and then and in turn Russell Wilson. You know, they give up the farm in draft picks and sign him to that insane two hundred and forty million dollar. Uh, contract and then he plays to the point where his own teammates are lashing out at him on the sidelines during the game so i mean it was just a mess uh from start to finish there you know could peyton be the one to fix all of that you know get one last run uh, out of wilson and the broncos figure it out and, and all that kind of stuff and then then there's the bears by week 12 we should if we should know who we are by week 12 that's for sure uh you know and coming into it so it's definitely one of those stretches where it's like on paper, you know, via 2022 looks like, you know, should be four easy dubs for you guys. But on the in the end, like you said, the reality is going from one year to the next, things can change, uh, you know, like they literally can turn and flip on their heads. So that could end up being the toughest stretch of the season, uh, you know, by the time we get to it.
0: Yeah, I mean. You know, like we said, the uh, the NFC South last year was atrocious, but yeah. that just means they uh, they all picked really high in the draft, except for you know Tampa, because they somebody had to win that division and finish you know lower in the draft order than right. everyone else did. But uh, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how these teams kind of morph and change over the course of the season and how they're different from twenty twenty two. And yeah, I mean. It's really hard to say if there's any easy games in the National Football League and you know you don't want to you know kind of undersell anybody to be honest but uh yeah we'll uh we'll see how this uh, how this goes but you know given what we know right now I mean right. that that should be a fairly uh positive stretch for the Vikings I would think or at least I would hope so.
1: And then after the bye we got 5 games left three of which are on the road you're at Vegas and then at Cincinnati before, one of the weirdest stretches I've seen the NFL produce in a schedule in quite some time. Your very first game of the year against the Lions is week 16. Then you are mm-hmm. home for the Packers on Sunday night, and then you're at Detroit week 18. So you play, the, you play two games against the Viking or excuse me, against the Lions. You're two games in three weeks, and, it, and the, the two of the last, the last three weeks of the season. Now I've seen a lot of weird schedule configurations before. This is the first time I've ever seen anything like this.
0: Yeah. I I don't think they've had anything like this. Definitely not since the, uh, the more balanced uh, schedules came out and the, uh, the last game of the year, every year is against a a divisional opponent and whatnot. Uh, Definitely have not seen anything uh, like this. Um, It's rare to play a team twice in three weeks. And, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if this is the first time that the two teams have ever had their uh, division games all take place in the last three weeks of the season. I would be uh, surprised if it wasn't. But at the risk of uh, dismissing Chicago and Green Bay, I think this kind of says that the NFL sees uh, the NFC North this year uh, potentially coming down to uh, Detroit and Minnesota you know, just because of the way, uh, Detroit finished last season with all that, uh, momentum and, uh, humiliating green Bay at Lambeau field in the, uh, the final game of the season, which, uh, you know, you, you, try not to, uh, you know, you try not to pay more attention to other teams than you do your own team, but that was pretty freaking great. I yeah, not it gonna was. Lie. That was, yeah. uh, that was awesome to watch, but, uh, you know, I mean, Vikings lions, you know, week 18, that, uh, that could be the game that ends up getting flexed to that the Sunday night spot in the last week if there's uh, anything on the line, and you know that might be why they've uh, they positioned these things like this. I mean, that's just me spitballing and being an obviously biased uh, Minnesota Vikings fan. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look through uh, other schedules and whatnot to see if there's ever been anything like that, but uh, I would be surprised if there was, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen and I think I've seen it happen to you guys where, hey, we don't play, you know, Detroit for the first time till week 14. Uh, and then we play them again like three or four weeks later before the season ends type thing. But I've never seen the first matchup of the season week 16 and the other <laughs> one week 18 uh, kind of thing. There's something happened last year. I think it was. It was either the Steelers or the Bengals. I think it was the Steelers. No, it was like I think it was the Ravens and the Bengals, where um, or something like that, where the, they played the Ravens and then had a bye week and then played the Ravens again after the bye. You know, it's like that. Ha- but that was like week ten and you know bye week week eleven and then they played a week twelve, not you know sixteen. Take a break, play them week eighteen, uh, kind of thing. You know, it's like I've seen a lot of different yeah. things and and I've also got this crazy mind where I notice things like this. But um mm-hmm. you know it just uh I've never seen anything like this where the first divisional matchup between two teams is takes place you know third of, third to last week of the season i I, I just yeah. never seen that before so that yeah the,
0: the yeah the Bengals and the Ravens did play in back to back weeks but one of those was actually the uh, the wild card uh playoff game they they played the regular season finale which wound up being uh, meaningless because of uh I think what all happened with the uh Damar Hamlin thing and all this yeah all the permutations with the seeding and then the the Chiefs went out and clinched the number one seed so like none of it mattered anyway but mm-hmm. yeah because of uh how that went yeah they uh the Bengals beat the Ravens in week 18 of the regular season and then turn around and played them uh right away in the uh, wild card round kind of similar to uh you know what happened in 2012 with Minnesota and Green Bay where they uh they finished the regular season playing each other and then they faced off in the first round of the playoffs again. So yeah, that happened for for um, the regular season for the regular season. I'm not sure if anything like that has ever occurred.
1: Yeah. Last year it happened with the, um, it was either the Bengals and the Browns against the Ravens where one team, they, I think it was the, the, the Browns or the Bengals. One of the two had the play, the Ravens, then they had their bye week and then they played the Ravens again after the bye. And the Ravens played somebody else in between, um, but it was like right in the middle of the regular season versus what happened here with uh with you guys playing the old two two game two playing the team twice in three weeks kind of thing You've you 've seen that happen over and over again yeah um, it 's not as uh, occur, not as often doesn 't occur as often these days because of the computer generated schedules and whatnot, but it does happen this is the first time I've seen anything like that and you you know you mentioned the Bengals and the Ravens last year was like I think two years ago the uh it was the Browns and the Steelers that played week 18 or week 17 or whatever and then played in the wild card round the week after that uh as well you know I've seen that happen a few different uh times but um yeah never seen any first divisional matchup week 16 and then you play again week 18 kind of about odd but um so with with everything that we're looking at here, what do you see the the floor to ceiling being for the Vikings uh, wins and loss wise this year?
0: I mean the floor. I mean you're probably looking at you know if things if things basically kind of go the opposite of the way everything went last year. I mean I still think this team wins uh, seven or eight games just because you know this offense uh, has talent everywhere. I mean I know people are not going to put Kirk Cousins in the uh, the category of being like a super good quarterback or anything but you know he he's done a great job of uh, getting the ball to the the guys that uh, that are open and doing with the uh, doing what he can with what he's given and that sort of thing but uh yeah i, I think the the floor for this team is uh is 7 or 8-9 or 7 or 8 wins at the worst uh best case scenario if you know uh, Brian Flores gets in here and uh, gets the defense to uh, gel and these young cornerbacks, uh, you know, are able to uh, provide uh, better coverage than what we saw last year. And, you know, we uh, continue getting after opposing quarterbacks with this uh, aggression that uh, Brian Flores likes to show as a defensive coordinator. Uh, I think this team could, uh, could win 12 or 13 games again. I mean, you know, this, uh, like I said, they've got plenty of talent on offense and the defense just needs to uh, to to catch up a little bit in order to uh to make things a little easier on the offense and hopefully not have uh, every game come down to uh to the last second
1: you think you guys have the horses on defense to to pull that off this year because you know trading away to Zadarius Smith and losing Dalvin Tomlinson you know do you think you guys can do it this year
0: I mean it's possible I mean like like I said the defense was awful last year and they still managed to uh to to put together the record that they did. Right. So I mean the, I mean they're not going to go to being like the Niners' defense or anything like that in one season or anything. But right. uh, you know if they if they climb the ladder a little bit, uh, I think it'll make things uh, significantly easier on the offense and you know kind of kind of make up for that a little bit. So I I think that uh, I think Flores is going to be a lot better about uh, getting guys into uh, positions to be successful and you know just basically bringing more aggression and different looks on defense than uh than had donatel running exactly the same thing like all the time so that that should help at at least
1: and you think Flores would be a better do a better job of uh, maybe tailoring to what he's got versus donatel just running the system and and trying to squeeze guys into it kind of thing
0: i i I definitely think so I mean flores seems to be one of those guys who uh who just, just knows has has the instincts to uh, to get guys into uh, into the right place and able to uh, to be successful. So, I mean, I, I think he's going to be uh, excited to be back as at least a coordinator again. I mean, he was a uh, he was an assistant with the Steelers last year, and after everything that happened in Miami, I mean, he's trying to work his way back into uh, into potentially being a head coaching candidate again. So, uh, he's gonna. See, this as his opportunity. And uh, yeah, I think the, uh, the defense is going to be markedly better this year. I mean, even if they don't have uh, all the household names that they used to.
1: All right. So, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting season. Um, You know, we play the NFC South and we talked about how bad they were uh, that year. You could see just about anybody, in my opinion, anybody but Tampa Bay walking away with that uh, division Mm -hmm. uh, this coming season. And with, you know, with Rodgers gone, the playing field has been leveled to where it's it's pretty wide open in the north with the improvements that the Bears have made, the hype surrounding the Lions, everything that you guys did last year and could be in a position to do again. And, you know, the Packers still being well coached by, um, oh my God, what is wrong with me today? Um, (laughs) Matt LaFleur. Thank you, Matt LaFleur. I don't know what the hell it was I was eating that just made me forget everything all of a <laughs> sudden. Can't remember anybody's name for Christ's sake. But it's it's yeah. as wide open as this this division has been in quite some time. So I mean it's just I, I like I could entertain just about anybody and and like you know me being biased I could see the Bears winning the division. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I don't mm-hmm. think anybody would be surprised if it did. That we turned the corner, Justin Fields made the leap with the improvements that we've made having a, you know, a number one receiver on the roster for a change and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I think, you know, nobody would be surprised if Chicago won. No one would be surprised if you guys won. Everyone's expecting Detroit to win at this point. And I don't, I think, honestly, I think the biggest surprise would be if green Bay won the division this year. And that's just because they won it without Rogers uh, kind of thing. So uh, it, it's as wide open as it's been, uh, in a while. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how it's
0: all going to unfold. Oh, no, definitely. It's going to be a, uh, it's going to be, I mean, every season is interesting in the NFL. I mean, right. that's why we're as glued to it as we are every year, but you know, I, I'm very much looking forward to this season. I want to see if, uh, if the Vikings can prove all the, uh, the folks that called, uh, called the team frauds last year, uh, wrong and come back and, do it again. And, you know, if the, if Justin Fields can get it figured out, the, uh, the bears are going to be solid. And, you know, like you said, everyone's expecting Detroit to, uh, to be the division champion this year. And yeah, we're, uh, we're going to have to see how it all works out, but it's, uh, like you said, I, I think I agree when you say it's about as wide open as it's been in some time, because, you know, there's been most of the last few years, everyone just kind of puts green Bay on top of the division and yeah. kind of forgets about everyone else. And, no, that that's not going to happen this year. So, uh, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to see how it all works. All right. So we'll we'll
1: we'll talk to you again uh, week six when uh, when the Vikings uh, come to town, and uh, we'll you know obviously have our, our our annual you know let's talk about all the weird stuff that happens in Soldier Field conversation, <laughs> you know, yep. including the uh, the game that we talked about <laughs> on my retro rewind show where we did the the gus Farrat, kyle orton you know 90 point shootout between uh the bears in 2008 and obviously we have the devin aroma shadu game we have the, the 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 adrian peterson 230 yards against the best defense in football game and uh you know all that kind of stuff just weird stuff happens uh in chicago when the bears and the vikings uh get together
0: it certainly does and yeah that's uh, that's the way we like it and you know it's uh it's part of what makes the makes the vikings and bears a rivalry so Indeed. you know we uh we're already looking forward to week six so all it's right. uh it's gonna be awesome
1: all right so where can we keep up with you in the meantime chris uh
0: we are still at uh, www.dailynorseman.com uh at daily norseman on the uh, twitter machine and uh yeah that's uh, that's where all our stuff is at uh, we're gonna uh, hopefully get back to training camp this year it would be awesome if we could uh get back in there like we had been in the past we're uh, still working that but uh yeah as uh, as we get closer to the season we're just gonna uh, keep putting out stuff for people to check out and yeah it's uh i think I, i'm biased but i think we do it uh, better than anyone else does so yeah we'll uh, we'll see how it goes
1: all right so chris gates from the daily norseman our favorite vikings guy we look forward to talking to you prior to week six
0: Yep, I'm already looking forward to it, Larry. We will be uh, we will be ready to go when Week Six comes around.
1: As always, want to thank Chris Gates for coming back on the show from the Daily Norseman to help us preview the 2023 minnesota vikings and that's it guys we are done now we move on next tuesday with our great friend lauren cox from locked on bears to help us preview our beloved chicago bears and then we move on as the offseason is slowly but surely coming to a close i think i've got one more exciting guest uh before training camp starts on the i think the 25th 26th and uh then we'll be able to uh uh, you know to move on because we 'll take a little break during training camp and then once preseason game starts we 'll start doing our preseason game reviews, then we get into our our previews and reviews throughout the season hit the ground running uh, with our, with our weekly episodes so it's it'll all be here soon enough like i can 't believe it 's already July uh, as i 'm recording this July 13th so i mean it's uh it's crazy yeah now oh, today 's the twelfth tomorrow 's the 13th. <laughs> it's late. What, what can I say? But uh, yeah, it's, all, well, it's already mid-July. Like, I can't believe we're already here. So uh, it'll be here before you know it. I think training camp is like 10, 12 days away from today uh, on the 12th. So uh, very excited about that, getting this, this highly anticipated 2023 season uh, underway. So that will do it for our NFC North preview. We move on to our beloved Chicago Bears on Tuesday with myself, and Lauren Cox, and hopefully we'll keep it under six hours uh, for you guys. So come on back on Tuesday for that. And until then, my name is Larry D and this has been the bear Talk underground. Hey man, hey, in
0: in How powerful is Cox internet?